Clay, is this is this series hitting your your Starfleet com badge fetish hard enough at this point? We're a couple episodes in. We've seen some new bits of metal that people clink to their chest. Are you are you fully aroused by what's going on at this point in the badge world? I do have to say, as far as that goes, this is a much better episode than the first episode because you get some really good looks at those uh, at the new Starfleet. You know, I I like the badge. I like the com badge. I like the uniform, but I'm surprised that they're so simple. It's just it's essentially just like a modernized version of the Deep Space Nine uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I was expecting something a little bit more modern. I don't know. I um I'm surprised by their uniform design in this because I think they look clunky. Actually, like I, yeah. I I'm expecting something a bit more form fitting or something. Maybe it's because they have to make them for a whole different style and group of people. Like um, just when when he when he goes to the desk and he talks to that ensign or kid or whatever he is, like the he, the kid doesn't look right in his uniform for some <laughs> reason. Like it just I, I would expect it looks them, like he's wearing a, a day player medium. Right. <laughs> I would, yeah. I would expect them to have like um. Something a little bit more, um, <clears throat> a little bit more like, um, uh, what's the word? Like appealing for different people to wear in a realistic sense. It looks like they're whole, they're wearing Star Trek uniforms from another set or something like that. They yeah. they came into well, this show and they picked up some old uniforms. Well, what's weird about it is, you know, we've talked about this before about how uh, once everything went HD, people were like, "Oh shit, we have to make everything." cater to high definition so everything we design has to has to have detail down to the fact that you can see every stitch and um they didn't do that here and i think that's probably why it feels weird you know what the detail is actually i don't know if you noticed it the uh their neck pieces the colored necklines are uh embossed with little tiny starfleet logos i assume that's what it was because that's what they always do i don't know why they do that they do the same thing in the first star trek kelvin movie uh, they did it in the Superman Returns, where they were like, "If you look really close on his Superman symbol, it's textured with a bunch of tiny Superman symbols." Right? Like, yeah, cool. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean, though. It's like it's it's it doesn't uh, convey. Coming, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't carry on the screen really as much as they think that they think it does. Yeah, especially coming off of Discovery, where the costume is actually really good. Um, I'm surprised it's so simple. Mm-hmm. And you know, they you know what it is also the the little. The texturing kind of adds to this look. They look like hockey jerseys. Yeah. Like yeah, if you do. look at a yeah. close up of a Bruins jersey that has its, you know, the black with the yellow shoulder things, it's got that texturing to it on the shoulder. So it makes it look really thin. It looks like a hockey jersey. We're gonna Which talk- I mean, it's fine with me, but. <laughs> <laughs> we got some body checks coming up uh, in, into the boards with Picard and uh, 7 and 9. We're going to be talking about Maps and Legends. It's the latest, the second episode of Star Trek Picard. But first, we're going to play some music. All right, so Maps and Legends, it's the second episode of the first season of Picard. It came out on January 30th, 2020. Written by Michael Chabon and Akiva Goldsman, which is a Pulitzer Prize winner and an Oscar winner, interestingly, writing Holy this together. Uh, directed by Hanel M. Culpepper. In this episode, Picard begins investigating the mystery of Dodge as well as what her very existence means to the Federation. Without Starfleet support, Picard is left leaning on others for help, including Dr. Agnes Girardi and an estranged former colleague, Rafi Musiker. Meanwhile, hidden enemies are also interested in where Picard's search for the truth about Dodge will lead. 
So here we go, Clay. We watched mm. this earlier in the day, I'm assuming, because they now they mm-hmm. launch these things on the 3 a.m. of the day they come out. So you have like a full day to watch them. I got a, Which is um, great. I got a, it is nice. I got a cryptic uh, message from you on Discord saying that, spoilers, I didn't like this episode. So do, do, have, has your mind changed or are you just, uh, you're still the same thing as you were 12 hours ago? Uh, well, I haven't watched it again, but um, I did not really care for this. Uh, the I like the beginning with the stuff on Mars and actually seeing the synth guy go crazy. That stuff was interesting. And it's it was also weird because I've never seen like a blue-collar Star Trek job before. Right. Even <laughs> so the replicators replicate like TV dinners for them for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, in a future where classes don't exist anymore, there's clearly a different class of people working <laughs> on Mars. <laughs> they don't get um, their day, They don't get the uh, holidays off. It's certainly not the utopia that everyone was led to believe it was going to be. Right, right. Uh, but, you know, after that, it was <sighs> – it was so much exposition about stuff that was just like techno babble uh, on top of techno babble. There's the 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 following like 15 minutes of the show was uh Picard's for lack of a better term housekeeper, I don't know if that's the way to do the correct terminology, but for lack of a better term, uh her his housekeeper Romulan ex- assistants. Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. His female Romulan assistant Telling him about the secret Romulan police who are even more secret than the regular secret Romulan police. And cut into that is another exposition scene where the uh, Picard and the woman Romulan character go to uh, Dodge's apartment and do like this uh, scanning thing and then pull up her computer and start going on about like – it's like in that scene alone, twice they're like, well, you know, they can't scrub anything. They can pick up a trace amount of X if we do this. And then they do that, which leads them to the next thing where they're like, you know, they can't do everything right here. We can pick up a trace amount of it. It was just a lot of like dumping stuff on you where they're talking about uh, exposition, about what happened to the person, how we're going to find them by going through her computer files, mm-hmm. um, secret Romulan secret police. And then after all that stuff is over, Picard goes to Starfleet and has a hilariously over-the-top argument with the Admiral. Yes. Yep. Where he st- – <laughs> I don't even know what happened because they're talking <laughs> like fairly calmly and then the music starts swelling. She's, like she's curt evil, with him. Yeah, she, she's curt this, with him, I, I would argue, leading sure, into it. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But this like – evil dramatic music starts swelling and then all of a sudden she's screaming at the guy about uh you know how dare he come back to starfleet bump 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 and so after that happens then you find out there's another hilariously over the top kind of evil sequence where you find out that like the one of the admirals or whatever is secretly a romulan spy or some shit and it was just it was really it was a lot of expositiony stuff and it was a lot of like really arch stuff happening. Mm-hmm. It seemed like there was like reveal on top of reveal about, Oh, it's this thing, which you've never heard of. Oh, I, uh, it was a lot of Picard going, ah, and what is that exactly? You know, <laughs> he's and been, it, he's been doing a lot of that for two episodes. Actually. I think that's my main problem with his, <clears throat> his character to this point is that he's being explained a lot of things. Yes. And you yeah. don't really, Picard has not at this point been allowed to be Picard in any sense. It feels like it's just Patrick Stewart listening to other actors tell him things about what's going on in this series. 
And it, it's a little bit frustrating, but you can continue your point. I think I have counters for this, but I, I don't know. I'll, I'll see how I feel in a few minutes. And even, you know, the one scene that I, the scene I really did like was with um, his buddy there. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, the doctor who comes in to give him the news about whatever. Oh, sure. His doctor says. from the Stargazer, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have, has he shown up before? No, he's, he's he a new in? creation, I think. The um, Stargazer. Yeah, I like that thing. scene. Yeah. I thought that scene was pretty good. But like, even, even, what's her name? Uh, Allison Pill shows up she comes all the way to france from san francisco or wherever wherever the daystrom institute is that's uh japan right yeah okinawa even worse she comes all the way from i mean i know they have teleporters but still she comes all the way to rural france from japan to tell him two lines of dialogue and then she just disappears Mm -hmm. like it's not like she's there and now they're talking about stuff and you know it's like oh come see the rest of the vineyard or maybe we should think about what we're going to do next together she just disappears yeah. They have tea together. They make another tea joke. And then uh, this is, it's like the third Earl Grey joke in two episodes. And uh, then she just disappears. And I don't know. It just wasn't – it wasn't really doing it for me. It, it felt like it was trying to move really quickly through a lot of shit. And it was a lot of stuff that they were just dumping on you and dumping on you. Um, and I was surprised by that because – I. I I feel like I had a more problem with this one similar to the, your problem with the first one where you thought the first one was too much exposition. I thought this one was way too much exposition. Sheer fucking hubris. You think you could just waltz back in here and be entrusted with taking men and women into space? Don't you think I was watching The Hollow the other day along with everyone else in the galaxy? Should not have spoken in public. The Romulans were our enemies and we tried to help them for as long as we could. But even before the synthetics attacked Mars, 14 species within the Federation said, cut the Romulans loose or we'll pull out. It was a choice between allowing the Federation to implode or letting the Romulans go. The Federation does not get to decide if a species lives or dies. Yes, we do. We absolutely do. Thousands of other species depend upon us for unity, for cohesion. We didn't have enough ships left. We had to make choices. The great Captain Picard didn't like his orders. I was standing up for the Federation, for what it represents, for what it should still represent. How dare you lecture me? Ignore me again at your cost. My cost? You are in peril, Admiral. There's no peril here. Only the pitiable delusions of a once great man desperate to matter. This is no longer your house, Jean-Luc. So do what you're good at. Go home. Request denied. It's funny how our 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 two opinions about these the new series kind of clash and evolve over in a way that the older Star Treks don't really. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel this one was of a piece of the as the first episode. However, what I thought it did better, and that I almost wish that they had done a little bit more of, was I, I think you get a better sense. You, as you were saying in the first one, maybe it was too early to say that you're not going to get a sense of what Picard is up to in these mm-hmm. days. And I think that this one does a, a lot of getting into what he's actually up to and what he's feeling about. I wish he was a little bit more involved with it. But I 100% agree with you that the the scenes and the pacing are fast because there's no other way they can get through the material really right so right. the way that i would describe this and this this feels like 
This feels like a discovery problem as well that they're kind of putting into this series where I'm not exactly sure at this point if I should be concerned that this is going to be the series or if they're just like, Jesus, we have so much set up. We've got to get it out right. of the way in the first couple episodes. Like we've got to just dump things. There's no better way to do this. And then at some point it's going to settle into a different kind of show once they get all the exposition out of the way. The If it doesn't do that, it's basically doing Discovery-style writing its entire Mm. time, where it's continually churning things and continually creating these new setups and stuff like that. I I think that this one is... The the thing that's funny about it, you you mentioned it with The Admiral, is I was thinking about how, how modern a TV show this is, because all I could think about was Twitter in a bunch of scenes. The Admiral scene is basically (laughs) Twitter, where... You you have like in the show they have limited time and on Twitter you have limited characters right so you're mm-hmm. n- you're mm-hmm. not allowed to have a nuanced opinion about something you basically just come in you say something the other person responds in a tweet that is just yelling at you out of nowhere and then mm-hmm. you yell back and that's the end of the scene basically right. so right. there there is no in a more lethargic series that scene would be like the admiral's hand wouldn't be so immediately exposed that she dislikes him you know what i mean sure they yeah. they would have a conversation for a few minutes about like, it could you could you imagine admiral ross doing that right <laughs> just just like freaks out Ad, on could, could you imagine admiral ross raising his voice at all right yeah you know and i mean i i don't want that to sound like it's a it's a male man versus woman thing because it's not he's just the only admiral i can think of yeah off the top of my head but i can't like in any of the older series if you're talking to an admiral who is you know uh janeway think picture janeway if that was janeway he was talking to janeway's not going to yell at him like that right you know yeah it's a it's it's a really weird scene and i mean i guess i guess the falling out between Picard and Starfleet is serious, obviously. Um, but they seem angry about the fact that he gave that news conference more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just, and she she just pops off at him so quickly. It's, and, it's just and, too abrupt. It's just like yeah. you, the scenes like that need to develop, in my opinion, a little bit more. Like you have a cordial conversation. Eventually things start getting heated. They can end in an argument like that, but it has to kind of like build over it so that mm. you... You get a sense of these two older characters aren't acting like teenagers on social media with each yeah. other, just yelling. Like you, you need a little bit of development. Unfortunately, there's so much going on that the show just doesn't have time to set up things it, that way. It feels like like the that kind of scene to me, especially with the way it was played and the music behind it. That feels like discovery to me, where it's like we uh, need to make sure you're not getting bored. So. We're going to have people play it really intensely, even though you don't know what the emotion is really supposed to be rooted in, and the music is going to underscore that emotion so it tells you how you should be feeling about stuff. Yeah, yeah. And coming off of watching Measure of a Man, like, the scenes between Picard and- Which we uh, watched on the Patreon. Plug the Patreon, right? Patreon.com slash Depensky Power. We we revisited Measure of a Man before this one. Um. The scenes between Picard and uh, Lafoie, I think her name is. I, I can't remember exactly. Yes. I think it was that. Yep. Uh, you know, I that was one of my favorite things in the episode is how they would have these these very full, like thema- uh, not thematically full, but uh, full of character terse scenes 
that were neither one of them like yelling at each other really, but they were like kind of on edge and you have a little bit of an understanding of what their background is, but it, they sell the scene given uh, the way that they're playing it. Uh, you, you understand why they're reacting the way that they're reacting. And this one, it was, it was just like, you know, in your face, anger, uh, loud music. She's mad at Picard and it just felt really out of place. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I'm I'm sort of it's funny because I I probably like this one more than you did. Um but I I think that I was dying by the middle of it. Like after the after that <laughs> those like back-to-back sequences of people explaining stuff to Picard. I got really I was like back into it when he finally goes to Starfleet. Yes. Um but then, you know, you get the scene with the Admiral which started out promising and then it turned into a screaming match. And it just, uh, yeah, it, I don't know. It just, by that point, I, it, it wasn't working for me. Yeah. I mean, on a, on a technical level, the pace, like the Borg stuff though, the pace, the pace is the killer of what's going on in this series so far, I think. I, sorry. I don't mean to keep cutting you off, uh, but it, to, to go back to what you said, um, it being of a piece with the first one, it, I, I agree, especially in the way that it ended. Cause it feels like it just ends mm-hmm. and it almost feels to me like the first three are kind of like a big pilot. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I saw a review the, actually that says that, that like that implies this one is the connective tissue between the first and the third episodes. Yeah. So it, I feel like it's going to be hard to judge them uh standalone, but th- that's kind of, that's how we're judging. And I think that there's a, a way to, I think that there is an argument that each chapter of these serialized stories needs to stand on its own in some way. Like, mm-hmm. you have to write for the episode and not just do it for connecting tissue and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I I, didn't mind this one. And I think that my concern, my concern kind of is this, that w- whether this series has... In contrast to Discovery, right, this series has something that it could talk about, I think. Like, there, sure. are, there are themes here, whether it's the, uh, the synths who do their sort of rebellion in a very good scene, I think, that opens it. I think that that's kind of creepy, and that's everything I like about yeah. the synths and stuff like that. And the, yeah, way that, that great. the way that I like Data when he occasionally plays it like that is the way that I like Data. The, um, but outside of that, the other scene that I really like is when Picard gets the news about his terminal illness that's coming. Yes. And yeah, that was great. That is very good because while Star Trek has done getting older, it's never done knocking at death's door for an extended period. Like Spock dies, right. obviously, but it's right. never done like you are going to die. So this is how you're going to end things. Uh, it's also a bit undercut that we know this gets a season two at this point. So I, I guess it's not right. that terminal. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, you know, what does terminal mean in the future? You know? Exactly. It's just, it's just a state of mind. But I, I think that I was listening to another podcast that was not Star Trek based, but it was just kind of a pop culture thing. And they talked about the first episode of Picard and they're mm-hmm. not Star Trek fans. And the takeaway was, wow, the series has some like really interesting ideas. And they were just talking about the first episode. They're like, you know, it's about aging and all that stuff. And obviously they're not super Star Trek fans who would think about that. But it's like about aging. It's got all these points. It's got an older actor coming back to play the same role again after 20 years. Like, what's that going to be like? And then at the end of the episode... It was kind of just Star Trek. And and their takeaway was that they wondered if the show was just going to fall into the Star Wars personality problem that it has now where where the IP has to be defended and made to be the IP that you're doing mm-hmm. at that mm-hmm. point. And 
I think that's my concern about Picard because they have so many interesting ideas here about Picard dying, about the synths. And if it just becomes a mystery thing with a million different plot threads being woven together, and by the end of it, it's just going to be like Picard solves the crime or whatever has gone on, and then we fix everything. I'm really not interested in that. I'm more interested right, in this yeah. series doing something different with Picard as a character. Yeah, like, I I rolled my eyes so hard when she was like, uh, well, every culture has a word for it. it it's the... It's the Romulan boogeyman or something like that kind of shit. I'm like, what? What are you doing? What? Why are you doing this? Why do you need like a, a, an even more secret society? Like yeah. Section Thirty One didn't scratch that itch for you enough in Discovery. You got to be even more secret. You know, I don't know. It, it, they're they're kicking around with that garbage when they've got so much more interesting stuff they could be doing. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. Like uh, why why can't it just be the Romulans? What changes? If it's just the Romulans. Right. Why does it have to be like the super secret secret police or or whatever? Well, I mean, I guess they're going to tie it into this just hatred of artificial intelligence. Has that been one, driving I, I them. didn't I didn't like that either. That yep. seemed really weak as it's like they're doing this because they hate toasters. Yeah, the, the motivation uh, seems a little bit odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, the, the super the super secret Task the super secret special ops wing of the Romulans hates synthetic people. It's yeah, like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> You've got <laughs> the, their planet was exploded. That's the best you can do. Is they hate synthetic? I mean, hopefully they uh, they either elaborate on that or or it's something else. But that was that whole scene. I thought was garbage. But it, what what I think that what I think the series has potential to do really well is. This is, I, I can almost guarantee, unless they fuck this up and fall down at the one-yard line, this is going to be the best portrayal of the Borg that's ever happened. Sure, I think. yeah. I, I hey, think, I'll, uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, well, I I thought the touch of, they've been working on this Borg cube for 14 years, I think they say at this point, and the thing mm-hmm. is still deadly to them. Like, the, yeah. the, the sense that Borg tech can't be turned off, I think, really fits that species and makes them even scarier. That, like, you, you have this disabled cube, but the Borg technology is basically just waiting for someone to make a mistake so that it can restart the assimilation process to bring everything back online. And I I think that's really good. And I like the way that they're playing it. And I like the way that the Borg are done here. It brings up our favorite thing about like seeing the Borg actually get butchered. Like the the human that becomes a Borg is basically grotesque by the time that they become one. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is I was glad at least that they made uh taking the Borg stuff off a little bit more complicated than just taking a power glove off. Yeah. Um, I, there was one guy I actually, they did like a close up of, I don't even remember where the hell he was, but for, for half a second, I was like, Oh, he looks kind of like Jordy because he had, he had like a visor on or goggles on or something. And yeah, half the, of his face, the, the X Borg that are working on the cube. So that's, I, that's I, what I was going to, yeah. I wasn't sure if that's what it was, but if that's what it is, that's fucking great. Yeah, because that's what I want to see. If you pull someone back from the Borg, they shouldn't look like Jerry Ryan, right? You know? And so, it, what it seems is that they're unhooking Borg drones and then turning them into workers who know how to work on the cube. Is mm-hmm. what it seems like they're doing. Um, so, but it's really just like we don't know why they're doing this or what the ultimate goal is. But I thought that I thought the, those Borg scenes were the most effective part of the episode because yeah, I agree. It's, it's an interesting mystery that fleshes out a species that we're familiar with and also gives you like 
you know, just wait for the episode where someone's badge starts blinking green because that's going to yep. be the horror slasher episode, I would assume, yeah, where the Borgs start going crazy. So we'll see. I'm looking forward to that. I uh, The thing that does bother me, though, is um, they did so much exposition in this episode, but I still have no idea who Dodge's twin is working for. Yeah. Like, what is I, – I don't know what that group is there for other than – Borg research, but it seems to be Romulan They're a mixed group, led. as you were saying. Yeah, they're, they're like all different uh, species. So I think they're just researchers who are there. But it's but it's like the, the um, security is being done by the Romulans or something? The Romulans, yeah. 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 I just, I mean, I, I would rather, I would rather they give us more information on that versus uh, Romulan secret boogeymen. The, uh, the funny thing about Dodge's sister was they had the, they had the scene where they were doing the uh, the futuristic 24th century CSI at the start, and they're looking at her computer, and they go, she got a message from her sister. Her sister is off-world. She is not on Earth. And they play this yeah. dramatic music. It's like, guys, this is Star Trek. Like- it's Star Trek, yeah. <laughs> the fact that we've been on Earth for two episodes is it's kind remarkable. of an outlier. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be more shocked if she was on Earth, quite frankly. That's, I know. That's the biggest surprise. Yeah, I mean, like they 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 lingered on that so long. I was like, did they actively forget what show they were making? I, I had to replay it. I couldn't believe that that's what they said. I was like, I must have I must have misheard that or something. There's there's no way that they just are shocked that she's not on the planet Earth. Yeah, it was very yeah. strange. Yeah, I don't know. Like it, it, it's got good stuff in it, but like once they wrapped it up at the end with the Romulan, uh, what was her rank? I don't remember Commodore, what rank was. which is Commodore? the first Commodore we've seen in the 24th century, because Commodore Decker from the uh, the Doomsday Machine was the only one that I know. Oh, so you get your Romulan Commodore, and then they get this other girl who comes in. No, she's a Vulcan Commodore. Oh, she's Vulcan. She's Vulcan. Oh, well, it's hard to tell. It's very hard to even... tell the difference in this in this series. They they she she has Vulcan things on her desk, and she speaks more like a Vulcan than a Romulan. So I, I'm I'm well, that's I believe even she's more Vulcan. confusing then because she's clearly working with the Romulans, but she's talking to a disguised Romulan, right? But she knows that's a disguised Romulan. I assume does she? I I don't know. I I mean. Does she? What does she say? Contact your brother. I forget what she talks about with her at the end. She's like uh, the disguised Romulan is like I've got a guy who can do whatever, and she's like, yeah, well, he's got a reputation or something. You like so she she seemed to be in the know about what was going on. I that's what was confusing me because until they revealed, well, her being a secret Romulan is another reveal that seems kind of silly at this point, but um. I you know the the way that they played that scene was like oh, you've got a commodore who's who's you're playing this evil music behind them so you're making me assume especially given the setup that this is a romulan and not a, a and not yes. a vulcan yeah and then this other starfleet person comes in and she's acting equally as creepy about uh how they're going to to find the girl or whatever and uh the first thing i was thinking was like can we Please do a version of Star Trek in the modern era where Starfleet is not a, a villain. Yeah. Like, everybody in Starfleet seems to be a villain now. I don't understand it. Um, I, but do you do you think that – do you think that uh, Roger Sterling's wife, which is how I'm going to refer to that character going forward, is uh, the, the disguised Romulan? I get the impression that she and the Commodore are not on the same page. She's just using the Commodore 
for what they're actually trying to do. I assumed that they were on the same page. Okay. Um, I'd have to go back and watch it again, but based on, again, based on the way that they play the scene and the music that they play and the conversation that they're having about finding the girl and stopping Picard and all that kind of stuff. Like, cause she, is it, is it she, maybe it's the brother that makes the comment about her, her technique being too blunt or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just assumed that they were both in on it from whatever the secret angle was. Like could, if, you, if that's, if that Commodore is not in on it, don't play creepy bad guy music underneath it and play oh. it a little bit less creepy of a scene. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I'm seeing them as two different versions of a bad guy. They, they're, they're both bad, but they have different aims in mind. I think, I, I think yeah. that we don't know what the Vulcan Commodore is up to and we barely know what these two are up to. Well, we kind of, okay. For, for, for let's, let's say you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong, but let's sure. say you're right. Yep. Um, having a scene in your second episode where you still haven't really parsed out who's what, and you've got a Vulcan who looks just like a Romulan, who's a bad guy, but not the same as kind of bad guy as the other person in the scene who's human, but is actually Romulan, is just very confusing. <laughs> I mean, this is a this is a fan. It's a, we had this question with Discovery, but like this is a very Star Trekky series. Like it is, it is defending the IP here with what yeah. they're choosing to do, and. I, I would imagine this series is probably at this point incomprehensible to people. I know that I read <laughs> I know that I read some TV critics who were like, there's a lot of confusing stuff going on in the first three episodes. And I, I think I'm tracking it, but it's only because I'm familiar with the the content to, to this point. It's uh, like I mean, to such a level. If you can't tell that that's a, a Romulan or, or a Vulcan versus a Romulan, unless I hope, you I hope identify- it is a Vulcan. I hope I'm not off on this, but I'm pretty sure she's Vulcan. Sorry, if- go ahead. If you can't tell the difference between the species, unless you can identify the shit on her desk, then no, they're not playing to, to people. <laughs> they're not trying to get new fans here. I mean, I consider myself a Star Trek fan, and I didn't catch that. Well, are they are they going to play it where she makes the dramatic reveal to the audience that she is a Vulcan in an upcoming episode? You know, so you know, you're like, oh, like what a what a surprise or something. Like she's not a Romulan. I thought she was. Like what what does that all mean? I don't really know. I don't know. I don't I, know what you get by doing that. I think I think our show gets worse when we do speculation about this. So I don't I don't really want to speculate about that mm-hmm. anymore. But like I, it is. I think it fits in more of a piece of my criticism of the episode would just be that. I am extremely concerned that they're going to do this story layering stuff endlessly on top of each other and that they're like, they're not going to be content to just have a couple of plot threads. They want to have like a million different things going on all the time. Mm -hmm. So you can cut between them. This one, I actually didn't feel that way as much in the first episode. I felt that they really amped it up here in the second episode as to sort of like establishing what's going on in this universe. And I don't know if, I don't know if a lot of it's great. I really like the synth stuff. I really like the Borg stuff. But everything with everything with Picard feels very flat to me and not interesting. Yeah. Um, in this episode, definitely, I agree. I th- except for the, the, the quieter scenes, like you said, the one where, where he gets the uh, prognosis about whatever disease he has, uh, a syndrome of some kind, aromatic or, or otherwise. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but like the stuff where he's out and about, it's just they kind of sat with the doctor character for a bit. I think that's the difference. Like that scene is yeah. fairly long and it's conversation based, and 
you know, you get stuff out of the dialogue there where the doctor just wants to talk about old war stories and Picard's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, listen, like, I need, right. I need you to right. give me the stamp of approval so I can go out and do this. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was great. And even, you know, they don't even in that scene where they could have come up with some like future cancer or something to try and explain, they don't even tell you what he's got. Right. They just said, yeah, you got this thing in your brain. You don't have a lot of time. And he's like, okay, well, get me a ship. I got stuff to do. <laughs> that's that stuff was great. That's that was, you know, good storytelling. That's so much more satisfying than watching someone explain how future email tracks data. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like so in I I hate to do the in old Star Trek dot dot dot, but the scene where they're explain where she's explaining how she can track Dodge's sister because the computer since they're identical, the computer would register her sister's video call as being from her or whatever. She spends that whole scene explaining what the technology is doing, whereas I feel like traditionally you kind of give that a sentence and then while you're working, you talk about something that matters. Yes. You know? And it's it's she goes. I'll run a uh, second polarity data scan on this, and it'll it'll give us the answer in a minute. Anyway, how's yeah. your wife? That kind of thing. Exactly. And while you're while you're tapping the screen, that's when she turns to Picard and says, "Like, you know, what does it mean philosophically if she is really Data's daughter?" And then they have a conversation about like something that thematically or or plot wise matters. Yeah. Instead of doing the thing that Discovery does, and a lot of modern stuff does when it comes to techno babble, which is they like. They sit in the techno babble and they just really lay it out for you, and none of that shit matters. I think it's a reaction to fan reaction, where where fans. I don't even know if fans do this, but I think that we, we've talked about this before. But I, they do. They must waste so much brain power trying to oh, God, write yeah. out techno babble that kind of makes sense. Like, but at the same time, it's still all nonsense science. So it's like, why are you? Why are you trying to justify your made-up science to me? Just say the science. And yeah. the good example that we always came up with is um, in DS9 when they want to close the wormhole to stop the Jemadar from coming through. They have mm-hmm. a one sentence about, like, use a reverse tachyon beam to do it, but the conversation is based around the ethics of shutting the wormhole down. Like, there's exactly. a there, there's a difference between... That that scene would have been horrible if O'Brien was like, "Well, I'm going to do this multi-step process here. How about I break down exactly what I'm going to be doing?" Yeah. You'd be like, "This and is then they this do, is irrelevant." Then they do that thing where, in mid-sentence, like Bashir finishes his sentence, and they're right. like, "Yeah, you got it." It's like, no, <laughs> no, I don't give a shit. You, you you say I'm going to use the inverse oscillator to do X, and it's like, well, if you turn it to the left, it's going to destroy Bajor. But if you turn it to the right, it's going to kill everybody on Deep Space Nine. What do you do? It's like that's where the t- the conversation comes from. Let's um. I guess this series is called Picard. I do want to talk about him a little bit. I am, I'm, we mentioned it before. I'm extremely concerned if he does not pick up what he's doing in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They, they seem to be writing that way where he's just kind of a very passive character who's going through Incredibly these things. Passive, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, and it might be a thing of, they might be playing up the age aspect, but he's also not talking about his age in that way, where it really brings to the forefront that this is what they're doing. But I, I haven't really, even really done anything where it's like, oh man, he's old, right? You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they ran up a flight of stairs and he was winded. Well, it's, and, I, uh, it's I, the ensign, I guess, who doesn't know who he is, is like supposed to portray that he's a legend, been forgotten in the past or something. Sure, but like you know, if if part of the story is. 
oh man, sucks being old. You got to show how much it sucks being old. Right. Do you, um, do you think the series is going to do that at this point? Do you think the series is really going to embrace what this setup is going to allow? Um, I know this is early and this is speculation, yeah. which I said that we just don't really want to do. But like to me, that's what I, I consider that to be the important breaking point in where this series goes. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like based on these two episodes, I feel like you're going to get like a scene every couple episodes where he's like, oh, I have to pee all the time, you know, or something like that, you know, <laughs> yeah, where yeah. it's like, yeah, this is the point. This is the moment where we remember that he's an old man for a scene. But then the next scene, he's like rapier fighting somebody. Yeah. I mean, I know he I know he's going to meet with Riker and Troy everything. He has that kind of um, he has that line in this one where it's like, I can't go get Jordy and Riker and Troy because they will risk everything for me. So yeah, I need I a like new, that. I, I need a good. new crew. I like that, too. We, I don't want to call those guys. I, I, those guys, they're going to ask for too much money. I like that too. What I think the what I think the problem is to me is that what I would want out of this series would be that we see that happen, and Picard does not know the answer right away. Like he he goes and he meets with these people, and after he talks with them for a little bit, he comes to the realization that that he can't go with them. Like they're mm-hmm. not the ones who can help him. But this series and the writing that they're doing does more of the discovery thing where someone mentions it and Picard already knows the answer to what it is. And it's like he didn't right. he didn't journey to get the answer. He's just like, no, I can't do that. We've got a whole new cast under contract. I need to go with these people. It's like, well, I would rather, like, it's much more the tragedy of age if he goes and because so much time has passed, he can't relive that that past again with it. Like, he has to leave it behind and that's more meaningful mm. to me about yeah. what this series means to be getting older and to be on your deathbed and stuff and not wanting to risk people who are younger than you and still have something going on for it. But they're not really doing that at this point. Yeah, it's like in Endgame, I thought one of the, the best decisions they made, this is Infinity War, Marvel Endgame, um, was when they formulate their plan and then they go to get Tony Stark and Tony Stark is like, nah, man. I'm, this is pretty great for me. I'm not, I don't want to leave any of this shit. Right. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do it. Uh, like, that's a lot more interesting than if they were like, Tony, nah, Tony's happy. He's not going to want to do this. Right. You know? Yeah. You um, have to go talk to them and have your heart broken in that, that exactly. scene. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, go – he's like, oh, I got to put a crew together or whatever. And then he goes to see Riker and he doesn't – realize how good Riker's been living or whatever. Well, you you or know, he, it's that, it's that cliche scene, but do something better one, where he I sees ha- Riker's kids, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say that where he's like, number one, I, it's been so long. I, I, I didn't even realize you had a 10 year old daughter or something like right. that. Right. Yes. And he realized he doesn't have to say anything, but he realizes he can't pull Riker away from his family for this mission. You know? Yeah. It's that kind of stuff. But they, what I go ahead. Sorry. No, it's just I mean they we do we know that they do meet Riker and Troy because of all the promotional material. So I mm-hmm. I hope that they get into it, but I'm just I'm disappointed that he already has an opinion about it before going to talk to them. Yeah. What I'm kind of hoping that they're going to do, but I don't think they're going to do this because it would be probably too interesting. <laughs> um is uh we t- I talked about this a little bit on uh the wine episode that we did where we we reviewed the Star Trek wine about um uh, a pitch that Sean had for a, a Star Trek comic that was kind of not entirely dissimilar to this. And my 
thing that I pitched for was I wanted to add in that Starfleet sends Cisco after Picard because Picard's gone rogue. Yeah. And Not knowing I, that Cisco is with the Cloud people at that point in the series. Yeah, right? I, at that point, I didn't realize that he had abandoned on. his son in the middle of nowhere <laughs> to go talk to the fucking Cloud prophets. Um, but uh, I was thinking, like, it would be – I feel like it would be kind of fun if they took someone like Riker or Worf and Starfleet was like, you need to go get this guy. You know, you – it, the the you take the person who's the sympathetic friend from the older series and you have them be a secondary antagonist who has to pull him back because it's like he's an old guy he's out there he's out there on a spaceship he's got some sort of dementia disease probably you got to go get this guy and you got to bring him back and so you have this chase element with a person who actually matters to Picard and yeah. isn't just like Admiral Schlappy Schlapp or whoever that, oh, remember we you knew him from 15 years ago and something that happened off screen that we never saw. It, like that sort of thing would be great if they used someone that he knew. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying they're going to do that. I, I wish they would. Um, you know, be kind of fun. Yeah. I. What, what do you think the modern trend of hyper- or, Sorry, before we get into that. Hmm. Um, uh, so he goes to see Riker. Riker's like, ah, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, but blah, 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 blah. So he goes and he leaves Riker, but Riker knows what he's going to do. So after he goes rogue, Starfleet comes to Riker and is like, what did he tell you? What's he going to do? And he's like, ah, he's doing this. I don't know. Maybe we should go with him. And then like, then Starfleet's like, oh, we're going to have to send somebody after him. And then Riker's like, no, let me do it. I'll go get him. You know, mm-hmm. something like that. That would be, yeah. that would be cool. Every time I'm out, they pull me back in. Exactly. Where do you, um, what do you think the modern thing of incredibly layering stories comes from? Um, I, feel, I feel it's a modern I development. I know that not all modern shows do it, but it, it seems like it's a a relatively recent development, and I'm interested in why they feel the need to do that so often. Like I, I just feel that there's like there's like a, a thing in my brain where. Once you go over a certain number of storylines, I can no longer like piece them together in my mm-hmm. head. Like if I have mm-hmm. to actively think about what the relationships be- are between characters and like remember what they are, I feel you have too many stories at that point. And this series at this point feels that way to me where I'm like, wait a minute, like the Romulans are doing what with this girl? Like what what is Picard's relationship to the Romulans who are doing this? Like what did, did the Romulans know about Picard? When when I have to kind of go through this like mental inventory about where everybody is with each other, I feel like I'm yeah. losing something. It feels like a very modern problem. Well, it's it's interesting because it's actually fairly comic booky, um, especially older comics. I guess they kind of still do it now. Uh, modern comics are are a lot more kind of um, like movies where you have. Uh, one kind of big story that kind of all everything's kind of telling the same story. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but older comics tend tended to have like four or five different things going at the same time at varying degrees of focus. So like if you look at your old X-Men comics or something, you'd be in the middle of a storyline about like Dark Phoenix. And then you'd have a couple panels where Wolverine has a thought balloon about like, you know, the, I don't know if the Canadian special police are going to be able to track me down here. But whatever it is, I have to keep my head down or some right. shit like that. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's fair – it's really strange that they're kind of adopting this older storytelling style. And the only thing that I can think of is that TV has be- – these types of stories 
have become serialized to such a degree that they're worried that they don't have enough material to make it to the end line end zone. Mm -hmm. Because like it's, it's almost like you, if you in, in the room or whatever, you're like, okay, this is the story we're telling about Picard. Uh, note card, note card, note card, note card. Shit, we need like six more note cards, but we've only got four, four note cards at this point. Yeah. So we need to put in other stuff, you know. It's, and it's, I think it's a little bit of 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 uh, time glut, honestly. But I, like, um, I, I, like I, the I thirteen th- the thirteen episode Netflix problem where it's like you always end yeah, up the, the out about the metal, yeah. I but I think it's I mean obviously there's a writing quality component to it and I don't want to write off this writing staff because there's a lot of no, good writers on this not. at the, yeah. the same time when I when I watch Mad Men right Mad Men has a cast that is like triple the size of this cast currently on it like when it was mm-hmm. in its peak I would I would watch Mad Men and I would never have a scene where I would come into a character and say what the hell is this character doing again? <laughs> like, right, where right. am like they they did a, those those kind of shows? Same with the Wire. Wire has like hundreds of characters in it. I was never confused about what relationships were between people. It felt like mm-hmm. they they just wrote. And what I think that the Star Trek series are doing is that in addition to having all these people and relationships between them, there's also like multiple mysteries in each storyline. Yeah. So you you, yeah. you can't juggle what's known and what's not known. And if you miss a bit of dialogue, you miss some great reveal about what's going on. It's 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 almost stressful to watch in some right. ways. And, and, and this is not a fast show by any means. It's not as fast as Discovery in any way. It's not, but it's still a pretty fast show. They just keep throwing stuff at you. And it's it's weird to me that they the shows that do this layered stuff do tend to be the fast more fast paced shows where it's it's like they've only got so much time and they've got a lot to do so they're just going to keep like chucking stuff at you and hope that you keep up yes yeah yeah, yeah. i just i i yeah cuz the show definitely isn't as fast as discovery is no. like it feels no. more it feels more grounded than discovery i guess would be the way that i would describe it because it it feels like it is on earth literally like it feels like we're not really just shooting around and like you know spore jumping every which way to figure out what's uh, what's up and what's down mm-hmm. but they are that that's my one hope is that they're just trying to get the exposition out of the way and they only have 10 episodes they have a fairly convoluted plot that they want to set up the best way to do this is just have everyone tell Picard what's going on. And then once he gets into space in a couple episodes, things will flatten out and we'll actually get to deal with what all of this means. Yeah. I can't, from a storytelling point of view, man, I just can't get over that opening scene with Picard where they have the female Romulan telling him a bunch of stuff and in France and then they intercut it with her telling him a bunch of other stuff at the girl's apartment. Yeah, in, the apartment. In, like it's just it's I didn't know what the hell they were doing because you've got she's talking about stuff in both of these scenes and the stuff that they're talking about isn't related. And usually when you do that sort of intercutting stuff, whatever you're intercutting it with is somehow related to the stuff that's being talked about in your first scene or at the very least not as talky as the first scene. Right. So it's usually can, symbolism. So where you're doing something in one scene that thematically ties symbolically to the second point that you're talking about usually is yeah. how they do those things. Yeah, or you here know, they're doing it, it like, to kill time. They're t- they're getting two stories out of the way in the span of yeah, one. Yeah, I and it, it was almost it was almost like to me. It seemed like to me they were like shit. We've got these two really 
expository, dialogue-heavy scenes. We can't just put them back-to-back because that's just going to be a slog. And So what if we cut them together? At least that way it's a little bit more visually interesting. And it's like, I guess, but it's it's also just kind of confusing. Yeah. And it's it, it, it scr- this episode, I think the thing that bothered me the most is it just screams – it screams of manipulation by the filmmakers mm-hmm. um, in a way that I didn't feel that in the first one. I thought the first one was, was pretty stand, like a pretty solid episode. This one felt like they, they had a lot that they needed to do and they really needed to hold your hand and drag you through it. Yeah. 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 I, um, I don't think I have any, I mean, the, is there anything, uh, anything that we want to talk about, I guess on the, the, the good side here, right? Cause I did like, Parts of it. We talked about the Borg. We talked about the sense. I, I do like the opening scene on Mars. I think that's really yeah. well done. I yeah. think that's effective. Um, the the guy's name being Fate is a little bit on the nose, but we've we talked about that either on another episode or on Twitter who's, or something. Whose name is Fate? The, oh, the, the guy, synth. Yeah. His name is F8, so he's Fate. Sure, sure. Um, he <laughs> kills himself, this- which is probably the most interesting thing of that. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that he kills himself, but he does. And... I just, I, I just think that that was a, that to me, that what well, the reason the way that scene works is because it felt like a Star Trek idea that was kind of elevated in some way, where it's like, it's a little bit on the nose that these people are making fun of the sense, and they're just like, yeah, it doesn't matter, you can say whatever the fuck you want to these people, they, mm-hmm. they don't have any feelings or whatever, but then he, he goes like Pearl Jam Jeremy crazy on them, <laughs> and, and, and it all kind of like... You see things in a different light, and I just I think Arms that that's raised in a V. He awoke the lion in a pool of blue. And I I think that that's that's Dana what I that's what never I want from paid attention. <laughs> that's what I want from the series. Basically, is to do something like that where they they're tying into older tech because Maddox obviously can't create a great synth or they're intentionally not creating synths like data because they want them to be slave labor. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just, I liked it. I thought it was creepy. I thought it was great. I like when the synths go uh, sort of dull eyed or dead eyed and you don't really know what's going on in them. And I thought it worked. Yeah, no, I thought that scene was great. Um, I would say like there was like maybe three or four really good scenes, but I just think that they were swallowed up by a, a bunch of stuff that just was not working for me. The uh, description of the Borg cube as the two people who just had sex talk to each other, which is a favorite trope of mine yeah. with the people. Just explain. Oh, you know what? The other thing that really bothered me, and again, it screamed of we're trying to, we're trying to forcibly make you understand what emotions you should be feeling is that you had two people drop, drop F bombs in this episode. Yes. And I just think, People saying fuck in Star Trek sounds weird in general. Yeah. Um, but like it, it, it for a show that doesn't do it ever, doesn't – I mean they barely ever say shit in the sh- – in, even in this show and they've said fuck twice. Mm-hmm. Um, for a show that doesn't really swear that much, using that kind of profanity really doesn't feel of a piece of like this is how people talk. It feels like they're forcibly trying to make you understand – that this is a serious thing or like this is a big deal. Yeah. And it just feels it feels very um manipulative. Yeah. Uh what's your what's your favorite thing that you're looking forward to so far in the series? Plotline um, or whatever. I was hoping he was gonna see Riker in this episode. I assume it's probably gonna be in the next one, if I yeah. had to guess. Yeah. Before he takes uh, off. Yeah. 
Um, the pl- I'm interested in the synth stuff. I'm less interested in the Romulan stuff because I don't know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, the Romulan boogeyman society doesn't really interest me. Um, I hope I hope that they get more into. Oh, I Picard's. thought I thought you were talking about the Romulan Borg stuff, but you're talking about the the Shadow Cabal. Of yeah, I don't give a shit about that stuff. Yeah, the Borg stuff is obviously. I'm looking forward to that. Like you said, I'm looking forward to those pins starting to blink and stuff. Um. And I, I do hope, like you said, I do hope that they lean into the uh, Picard ruminating on his age and what that means and all that kind of stuff. Because I, I think that's uh, that seems to be the go-to, oddly enough, for Star Trek. If it's not a science fiction story, it's shit, I'm getting old. Yeah. And it's always been good. The TOS made yeah. six movies out of getting old, basically. Maybe maybe a couple weren't so strictly mean, even, about that. I mean, even uh, TNG made like, Three. I, I think yeah. every one of those movies is about shit. We're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I think my least favorite plot line, the one that I'm, I sort of hope just kind of goes away, is the uh, the brother and sister Romulan plot line. Mm. I'm I'm not really interested in that. Uh, that seems just the scenes with the uh, where uh, Jane Sterling talks to the the Vulcan Commodore. That's just. It's one of those scenes where it's like people talking so bizarrely evil to each other in a Starfleet office, you know, and yeah. it's like, it's like, eh, yeah. like, why, why, like, why did it have to be so bluntly evil? But uh, I'm not interested in that. He's obviously just sleeping with her because they want to find out the nest of these androids or whatever, mm-hmm. because they are these secret shadow agents that want to kill the androids or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's, he's not doing a great job of making himself not look suspicious. Right. When, <laughs> when she's like, can you tell me anything about you? And he's like, nope. <laughs> Why are you here? Can't tell you that. Is that even your real name? Eh, maybe. They they went I don't so know. they went so heavy on secretive Romulans in this one that I'm imagining it must turn into something. That it's I, I true. Hope. It's true to the species that they are secretive, but no one's ever just like repeatedly called them secretive in an episode before. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing that that drove me nuts, not because of this show, but because of Discovery. Once again, why didn't they just set it in the future? Is that they have the same uh, three-dimensional move about the room hologram technology yeah. for talking to people in this as they do in Discovery, which I hope I hope one day we get to see the other side of one of those conversations <laughs> where it's just someone wandering around their room and like sitting in the exact right place because their tables are in the same place in each yeah. – you know, like it's a really – I Not guess banging their shin on the coffee table as they're following someone around. Yeah, exactly. I guess it works as a visual thing, but practically it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I, I, yeah, it, it works as a, a means of communication, and it's, perhaps it's a little bit more like interesting than watching someone on a tablet or a view screen or something. But sure, it feels like they. It feels like they they have to do the thing of like I can walk through you, watch me walk through you. Right, like yeah. they, it, it always just feels like they're staging it because they know that they have to get those kind of tropes out of the way. And I, I don't right. know, it's a little bit yeah. a little bit odd. Yeah, uh, I'm I yeah I'm not thrilled about the Romulan stuff at this point. That's the one th- I th- I'm I if that doesn't go somewhere interesting, I'm gonna be fairly disappointed. I think. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, is it because? Maybe they'll probably get into this. I assume this is what the Borg Cube is about. But like when I was just expecting the series, if you're doing a reflective contemplative thing about an older person, I would have expected that 
what the Romulans went through after the destruction of Romulus would be the focus of it, where yeah, you where you kind so. of focus on the politics of what happened there and instead of just like the admiral screaming about like fourteen people came in my office and said they were going to quit the group if we if we didn't stop uh, doing <laughs> oh, I this. I forgot about that. <laughs> the other planets all called me and said they would leave the Federation if we saved Romulus. Like, Give me a fucking break. No, they that, didn't. That's, that's not that's not what the Federation. I'm I'm a hundred percent on Picard's side with that. That's not what the Federation is. That's the only. That's the only thing. Like, I hope they get into it, and I hope it doesn't just become a kind of like shadowy Romulan cabal thing. Found a Borg cube, and now we're going to do this. I just, I hope they get into the nuance of what this situation is um, supportive of. Yeah. The other thing I was just thinking is if so, if the Romulans are behind the the synth freakout fourteen years ago because they don't like synthetic people. That means that the Romulan spooky police actively caused the destruction of Romulus because they sabotaged the support team? Or they, yeah, they they got people killed. Well, we don't know if the Romulans did that, though, right? Well, yeah, I, no. But I mean, like, if, if, that's just what assuming. The, if that's what the implication is, right. if you extrapolate it out, that's you, you, their hatred of their hatred of AI caused them to sacrifice their entire planet. Yeah. No, I don't know about that. I think the synth thing is going to be a sort of out of left field thing. I hope so. Yeah. 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 Um, All right. Well, that's it. Let's take a break. We'll play an audio clip. Me and Clay will come back. We'll give our uh, final thoughts about it, and then we'll wrap it up. Beautiful. And no one's ever said that before about a board cube. Artifact. Borg cube is mighty and omnipotent. The artifact is lost, severed from the collective, broken, vulnerable. You find vulnerability and brokenness beautiful. Is that strange? To find beauty in imperfection. I'll be honest, Clay. I was a, a little bit surprised. You were so maybe not negative, but you were you were struck. Uh, this episode struck you in a different way than it struck me. I found it. Um, I found there to be like little diamonds in the rough every once in a while with this one. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But it certainly. I mean, as you mentioned, the pace is just the the problem with it. The pacing of the scenes is really the biggest technical problem the show has at this point. Yeah, I would agree. I, I I do think that there are diamonds in the rough in this episode. Absolutely. I just think there's a lot of rough. Yeah. Um, and to just to jump back for a second, because I was thinking about it, I, I would understand it more if not that the Romulans were behind the synth freakout, but it's their, they obviously, their hatred of synthetics is magnified by the fact that the synthetics essentially caused their planet to blow up. That makes more sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would, um, it, they, they they would buy into the pre-existing stereotype that I'd assume they have about androids or whatever it is, and this this fed into it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash the Penske file is the best way to do it. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. But before then, what do you think? Any final thoughts here, Clay, about this one? Do you have any, I mean... Um, well, to kind of talk just again briefly about how it seems like it's part of the pilot 
like a, a big long pilot. They did preview this as the first three episodes. So when they when they did their like uh, premiere or whatever, they premiered the first three. Yeah, they sent so, three to critics and everything. Yeah, yeah, that that too. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it feels like it's probably going to be of a piece with the third one as well, which makes sense. I just yeah, I just wish I think they could have done something a bit more interesting and and more storyline and thematically relevant than just dumping a bunch of silly exposition on you for an hour. Yeah. Is this um is this striking you better than Discovery did at this point? We we were fond of Discovery, no, maybe not fond, but we we were interested in Discovery in the first couple episodes that it had uh and mm-hmm. this this show does feel different than Discovery to Definitely, me. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's I I'm I'm maybe just like gun shy about it. Like I I don't want it to go in the direction of discovery. So I'm sort of like hesitant about like why are they doing this? Why what's the point? Why are they doing this right now? Why are they writing it this way? But I I do think that there's um it's the point that I think we made in the last episode. Like where discovery never felt like it really has a point to exist. This series doesn't feel that way. It right. it feels much more built into the universe and like it has something uh, that it wants to say about things. We just haven't gotten to that point yet. They haven't even yeah. broached the subject yet. Yeah, and I I don't want it to sound like I'm writing the show off because I'm not. I definitely not because I think there's, uh, you know, I think there's interesting stuff in there. It's only the second episode. It's clear that they're going to get into some more stuff. Um, but yeah, I would agree. It doesn't it doesn't really feel like discovery. Um. At least not yet, and yeah. uh, I I'm enjoying it. I I'm if this is the worst episode, that will be that will be great. Let's yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's um, but Harry Mud shows up in the third episode, so I know, I know. Well, certainly Harry Harry Mud uh, with Riker showing up will be the thing. <laughs> um, I think that's it. Let's wrap it up there. Guys, thank you very much. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show. Social media links are all down below, and I think that's pretty much it. We won't be doing the live streams for these anymore. Um, I think it's it, it's uh, too catastrophic to the audio quality to have to rip a podcast because the show is basically a podcast. It is a podcast that's occasionally on YouTube. Um, we'll stick to this recording thing. Hopefully it works out for everybody. But let us know your thoughts about what's uh, the Picard Maps and Legends episode, and we'll be back and next week with the third episode, which is called The End is the Beginning, I think. Something like that. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we sign off? Uh, check out Rotten Horror Picture Show, which is our new horror podcast that I'll be, I'm will be i doing with uh, Amanda, who joined us on the Wes Craven episodes of Real Ripe and Real Rotten. That's, that's every other Tuesday. The next one up will be uh, 1931's Frankenstein, and our first episode about The Shining is out right now. Yep. The Frankenstein comes out... Tuesday, so in a couple days yes. from when this one comes out. Yeah, it's a good show. Uh, check out is if you like your top horror films of all time on Rotten Tomatoes and you want to hear people's thoughts about it, that's the place to go. So you can go to thepenskefile.com and the Rotten Horror Picture Show will be one of the options to listen to. That's pretty much it. We'll be back with Picard. Uh, I've got a couple of uh, ranking videos coming out to kill time in between episodes and all that stuff. But I am looking forward to the third episode, Picard. I do want to see him go to space, and we'll see what that all looks like. So thank you very much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.